0: What's terrorism got to do with it more than you think? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist um, and a psychiatrist. And today I'm going to be uh, putting my psychiatrist hat on, as I usually do, and putting it towards the Russia-Ukraine war. Now, and as it affects terrorism or as terrorism is affecting it. You don't really hear much in the mainstream media about the connections, and there is a morass of connections, um, a complicated uh, web of um, how terrorism, I'm talking about radical Islamist terrorism, how that relates to what is going on between Russia and Ukraine. You know, everyone's kind of concentrating more just on Russia and Ukraine and the US and NATO. But there is a lot going on behind the scenes. And today I am going to um, give you some highlights. First of all, uh, the biggest act of terrorism of all time is what is being called Russia attacking the Ukraine nuclear plant, um, because the danger of that is the radioactive fallout that would go over all of Europe, if not more countries. So if in fact Russia was to um attack in a in a way that set off the nuclear reactors and there was nuclear fallout that would of course in fact be the biggest act of terrorism of all time. So let me tell you let me start with that and let me tell you a little bit more about that. Um the current status as of today. <laughs> um as you know, Russia attacked um, Chernobyl uh, a while ago, I mean, in there, since they attacked Ukraine, they have already attacked Chernobyl, and I'll tell you a little bit about why that is still a worry. But the the biggest worry is their attack of the uh, nuclear plant at Zaporizhia, um, and that just happened more recently. There, that is, uh, first they, first they sort of, um, uh, distracted us by having a building, um, catch fire at the plant. And, um, then they placed the staff running the facility under the Russian command and they restricted communication with the outside world. And the UN nuclear watchdog is particularly concerned about all this. They are, drawing our attention to this um as well as of course Ukraine and and other people but um they are saying that um there are six reactor units in this in this plant and the fact that um all of the the staff uh the Ukrainian staff of the plant they need the approval of Russian forces to do anything So basically, it's Russia running the plant. Um, They also, Russia also, cut some mobile networks and some Internet at the plant. So it makes it so that reliable information from the plant can't be obtained through the normal channels of communication. So it's very hard for the people, the Ukrainians at the plant, to let people know outside the plant what is going on. Um, They... Russia, of course, blamed this attack. They didn't take responsibility for it. They blamed it on Ukrainian saboteurs. (laughs) Uh, What what else do you expect, right? Um, Now, as far as Chernobyl, that is not, uh, you know, even though that's a smaller plant and that's been, um, you know, that wasn't as uh, active, that isn't as active, there is still concern about developments that are happening at the Chernobyl site. It was seized by Russia. The spent fuel and radioactive waste facilities at Chernobyl, um, where which is where the world's worst nuclear accident happened in nineteen eighty six. That's uh you know, <laughs> ironically, um this of course might be happening again um in Ukraine. So there were more than 200 people there in Chernobyl, uh technical staff and guards, and they haven't left the plant since February 3rd, which was the day before it was seized. And um you know, the UN had called for the technical staff to be rotated out on because of safety to make it to make it safer. Um but now the Ukrainian regulator has just said that it was, quote, facing problems communicating with personnel at Chernobyl. And uh, the only, their only uh, communication is via email. So that is not, um, you know, that is not, that is not safe either. But of course, the biggest worry is the bigger plant that they, that Russia attacked that Russia captured. Um, so for example, if a, if a missile or if anything, any kind of, um, projectile or, or any, there are so many different ways in which, um, the bigger, uh, nuclear plant could be attacked and set off. Now that along with some, um, some ominous statements from Russia, not just from Putin, but here is one from, um, Russian state television host named Dmitry Kiselyov. Uh, I might be pronouncing that wrong. He, he has a primetime show in Russia, and he opened it with an ominous allusion to nuclear war. He said, and this was right after President Putin ordered the Russian army to put its nuclear arsenal on high alert. He did that because he said that there have been unfriendly steps by the West aggressive statements and economic sanctions imposed on Moscow by NATO. So, okay, so that's why Putin did that. And now this Russian host said, um, why do we need a world if Russia is not in it? Now, certainly um, that is the kind of statement that um, Putin shares. So really what they're saying is, what he's saying, and presumably um, – agreed to or would would be underlined by Putin, is that, you know, if, if there's going to be a war and America is going to use or NATO is going to use nuclear war uh, uh, weapons, then and such that there wouldn't be a Russia anymore, then um, why do we need a world, you know, in other words, the only way to have a world that is worth having a world is if it's run by Russia. <laughs> um, so and and of course, Putin said similar a similarly ominous statement the other day. He said, um, when he talked about, you know, Russia's special military operation, and he said um, it would lead to, quote, such consequences that you have never encountered in your history. Such consequences. In other words, he's threatening nuclear war. Okay. So, so, now a different way that uh oh well first let me you know there's um a saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend now the problem and this has actually been stated in world war ii and in the cold war before now and i'll give you some examples this this statement the enemy of my enemy is my friend is an ancient proverb but um the world has gotten a lot more complex since world war ii since the previous part of the Cold War, and now uh it also has nuclear weapons so for example um in world war II, um the um the allies um and the Soviet Union you know had some friction, shall we say um but and differences, but they realized that they had a need to work together to counteract the threat of Hitler and Nazis. So Franklin, the President of the United States at the time, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, um, although they were, you know, wary, concerned, uh, untrustful of the Soviet Union, their common enemy, of course, was Germany. So they cooperated with each other. And that is how they succeeded. Um now, in the Cold War prior to now, um, the Soviets and the Chinese were helping North Korea during the Korean War, so against us, and they helped the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese during the Vietnam War against us, and then the United States um, and its allied troops uh, supported the Afghan um, uh, Mujahideen, the Afghan terrorist, the Afghan... Taliban, the, the people in Afghanistan um, against against the Soviet Union, because you know. So so in in very in lots of places around the world, we have been um, it's been very tense because there have been very um, splitting hairs in terms of who is the enemy and who's the friend and who do you trust. Well, now it's a lot worse because um, in terms of Countries, um, what we consider terrorist countries, uh, there are. It gets a lot more complicated. Now, um, let me. Well, let me save this for the next segment because it's kind of kind of all together. But, but I do want to say in, in regard a little bit more about the enemy of my, of my enemy is my friend. Um, Another saying that kind of goes with this is, too many cooks spoil the broth. There are too many conflicts of interest amongst the biggest players in this Russia-Ukraine war. Russia, Ukraine, NATO, the U.S., and Iran. Ah, you might be wondering, why am I saying Iran? Well, you'll find that out in the next segment. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show. We're talking today about Putin's war. What's terrorism got to do with it? More than you think, and you're about to hear even more. Um First of all, I uh one of my tweets. I always put <laughs> I always put my uh the things that I am most angry about in my tweets. So, um I did a tweet uh just recently, today, in fact, uh, that says, Russia-Ukraine war is distraction, so we don't see Biden relying on Russians to broker new disastrous nuke deal with Iran. Iran, even less trustworthy than Russia, makes no sense. Too mind-boggling for POTUS, <laughs> puppeteer, you know, President of the United States, puppeteer Obama continues to bring down America. Okay, well, um I will get into that now. Because behind the scenes, while we're all worried about and not to say we shouldn't be worried, but while we're all thinking about nuclear war and, and Russia and Ukraine, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um in Joe Biden's first State of the Union address, which was a uh which was depressing and embarrassing, um, he made a slip that of course has been repeated in in regular media, social media, he said, Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. Now, he meant to say the Ukrainian people, because Kyiv is the capital of Ukraine, okay? So, and, and I was wondering, why, why did he make that, you know, I, everything is a Freudian slip, right? So why did he make that Freudian slip? Why did he mention – I mean, yes, Iranian rhymes with Ukrainian, but there's more to it, um, as you will now hear. Um, in other words, he didn't just say the word Iranian out of the clear blue sky. There is a reason that he was thinking of Iran. Okay. While we're concentrating on Ukraine and Russia, uh, there are talks going on in Vienna about the um the Iran new deal the about um about nuclear weapons you know you'd think you'd think that they would put a halt to that while you know all this is going on with with Ukraine but in fact it may well be um, um to the benefit of um of Iran to not stop these talks um, you know the 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 treaty or the um, uh, the deal, the Iran deal that we had before was a disaster because there is no way to make a deal with Iran when Iran lies. <laughs> you can't trust Iran when they're saying death to America, death to Israel. They keep repeating that. You know they didn't just whisper it; it's said loudly in the streets. So we of course can't trust Iran, as I said in my tweet. Even less, Iran is even less trustworthy than Russia. Um, And and so why is there this? um, Why are these talks still going on? You know, the idea of making a deal with in regard to Iran didn't hold to the deal that was made before. Um, So why should we make another one? Why should we think that they're going to listen? They're going to stop producing um, nuclear weapons because they made a deal with us. I mean, that is absurd. So, okay. Um, So now we're we're, – we have in this meeting, um, just discussing this new deal – we, we, we are using as a negotiator someone from Russia, a Russian negotiator to, to help us make a deal, help us and our allies make a deal with Iran. Now, this is at the same time that Russia is threatening to blow up the world. I hope you see the craziness of all of this. Um, it doesn't seem like Biden does, however. And there's, um, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has been calling upon President Biden to stop working with Russia in the Iran nuclear talks in Vienna. Somebody, there's somebody with a brain. Um, Because, uh, again, it gets so complicated. Who is the friend and who's the enemy? And why would we trust Russia? (laughs) Why would Russia want to stop Iran from uh having nuclear weapons, except of course unless they are also afraid of Iran using these nuclear weapons towards them. Um but but we don't need this complication in there when Russia is, as I said, um threatening to blow up the whole world. Why would we need why would we need somebody else to get into the act? Uh who we don't trust? Um and in fact he uh uh Secretary of State Pompeo said he, he sent a tweet uh, and he, his tweet was to Biden to stop partnering, quote, stop partnering with Russia to cut a deal with Iran. And he said, quote, when China and Russia are on your side of the table negotiating against Iran, you are putting America and Israel at risk. Duh, no kidding. Uh, China and Russia on your side against Iran. I mean, Iran um, they as i said they have made their intentions clear they couldn't be any clearer and so they're not going to hold to this deal anyway but still we should not have make it more complicated by having other people in there who we can't trust um and one day after the russian invasion of ukraine began the u.s announced that it would continue to work with russia on reviving on reviving the 2015 iran nuclear agreement the the agreement that was bad in the first place um, so, okay, um, now then Israel's former national security advisor, Mayer Ben Shabbat, said, uh, that, that Iran's nuclear program is a far more direct threat to Israel's security than the Ukrainian crisis. And he warned that Tehran, Tehran can, quote, take advantage of the global tumult in order to make progress on the nuclear program and other areas. I mean, while, well, you know, Russia and then and then do you want to think that maybe this is on purpose that Russia is doing this now so that all these other things can be going on underneath the surface? Um, then we have <laughs> you you won't believe all of these um all of these different ways that terrorism and terrorist countries are involved. Um, al-Qaeda, has just um published an article in their uh, their their official media outlet published an article um called in their Arabic language magazine uh called America Burns 3 uh, this is the third um article that they've had or 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 the third issue that they've done where they have this an article that's America's Burns America Burns a year of Biden's rule and a succession of setbacks. Um, they talk about how, you know, according to Al-Qaeda, Biden's leadership is a victory for Allah. America is now viewed by America's worst enemies as weak. I mean, not that this is any, we know when we surrendered to Afghanistan that this is the beginning of the end. And, and yes, indeed, um, we have Putin, you know, started this, but, um, started taking advantage of Biden being a weak president, but there are lots of other world leaders who are planning to to take advantage as well. Um, let's see. They talk about the manifest victory of the Taliban. Um, they have articles about that. Um, they talk about how... Uh, and then they're even claiming that al-Qaeda purposely chose to target the US on 9/11 in order to cause prolonged economic damage to the US economy. I mean, they just go on and on about how um how it's you know they they take credit for the Taliban and al-Qaeda and uh, ISIS, you know, bringing down America uh making America weak. I mean, that isn't really the truth. It's really, I mean, we just happen to have a weak president. <laughs> um, so, but and it also says, quote, the most optimistic of us, they're talking about al-Qaeda now, the most optimistic of us did not expect that the collapse would happen with such astonishing speed and on all levels. Um, and they talk about how America is so divided and that it's also what's making it weak. Now, um, just to not only is Biden, um, by the way, let me let me mention, you know, it, I, it's a little awkward to um, talk about Biden's encroaching dementia, but um, it's not like this is a big secret to the world. And I have written an essay that is that you can find in the online magazine called American Greatness. Um, It's amgreatness.com. And the article is called, It's Time for Biden to Have a Cognitive Assessment. So it's my letter to Biden begging him to have a cognitive assessment because um, of his, what I've long been calling his encroaching dementia. Now on a somewhat slightly lighter, although it may turn out to be heavier, uh, or heavy, um, uh, idea or issue, um, Russia, a, a star basketball player named Brittany Griner, she is a seven-time WNBA all-star center for the Phoenix Mercury team. Um, she went to Moscow and um she took along with her vape cartridges containing hashish oil and they were found in her luggage at an airport near moscow and um russia is saying that it has her in custody and they may well use her um use that as a um you know to bargain over i'm not sure how far that's going to get but you know <laughs> uh in a time like this for people to go, or any time really, but especially a time like this, for Americans to go to Russia carrying things that are contraband is beyond stupid. Well, when we come back, I'm going to talk about some more, um, countries that, uh, terrorist countries, uh, like all other ways that Iran is, uh, involved and, uh, Hezbollah, the terrorist organization Hezbollah and Pakistan. Are also have their two cents um, in the war between Russia and Ukraine. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about Putin's war. What's terrorism got to do with it? More than you think. Now, I'm just telling you in this podcast about certain highlights um, of the ways that various terrorist organizations and terrorist countries uh have a role in what's going on um in Russian, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and how this will all this will all turn out now i i will give you a um a spoiler alert <laughs> i'm going to end uh the podcast with something that i hope is a uh, is a reason for optimism <laughs> after i've told you all of this horrible stuff uh, and I don't know, you know, I don't know for sure, of course, that it's going to work, but I will give you one ray of hope. OK. All right. But before that, <laughs> let me continue with all the ominous things. All right. Um So now Iran. Um Iran, of course, is on the side of Russia, which, of course, you know, again, makes the whole thing about uh, a nuclear deal with Iran even more ridiculous. Um so the Iranian president um Ebrahim Ibra- Raisi encouraged the Ukraine invasion right after Putin ordered it. And then um the Islamic Republic's supreme leader Ayatollah Khamenei continues to stir propaganda uh against America. I mean, he's been doing that. He didn't just start with the Ukrainian-Russian war, but he's been saying all kinds of things. Um, He, of course, views Putin as a friend and an ally. He once said, quote, Russia and Iran need to deepen their cooperation at other levels. And he praised Putin for being a, quote, strong and responsible leader, unquote, with whom, quote, you can have dialogue and cooperation. In 2015, Putin first, Putin, in 2015, B- Putin visited Iran, which was the first time since 2007. And he presented Khomeini with an old edition of the Quran. Khomeini, all these names, all these words, Khamenei used this opportunity to again bash America and pursue a long-term alliance with Russia. So he is, um, He is blaming the U.S. He's saying the mafia regime of the U.S. is what created the Ukraine, Ukraine crisis. Really? (laughs) How did that happen? Uh, this is what, this is what, um, he said, quote, Iran wishes for the war in Ukraine to end, but believes the crisis is rooted in the policies of the United States and other Western nations. Uh, quote, in Ukraine, we are in favor of stopping the war. (laughs) Really? I mean, they're talking out of both sides of their mouths. He said this during a televised speech, and he said that this crisis can be alleviated only if the, quote, root cause, unquote, is known. And of course, he identified the root cause as the policies of Western powers. Um, He he said, uh, the quote, mafia regime, unquote, of the U.S. creates, that that the U.S. creates many crises around the globe, uh, including ISIS and meddling in other nations, and uh, by making regime changes and installing pro-West politicians. Um, And he said the Ukraine has fallen victim to these kinds of policies. Uh, He said two lessons should be learned from the Ukraine crisis by the governments and people around the world, that the West can't be trusted, and that popular support is of utmost importance. Quote, support by Western governments for administrations and politicians that have been installed by them is a mirage. Uh, and he was saying that, and he gave as an example, the chaotic withdrawal of U.S.-led Western forces from Afghanistan, as it fell to the Tan- Taliban. And he's saying also um uh that the u s led NATO is the culprit um, and um okay, so that's then we let's go to hezbollah uh hezbollah, which of course, as you know, is a terrorist organization Um, They are stirring up even more trouble. They are warning the Arab states who are the anti-Iran states, the moderate states. They're warning them about the lessons uh, that the war in Ukraine should teach them. Ready for this? Um, Hezbollah's senior leader said, Russian invasion of Ukraine is warning to Arab states with ties the Zionist regime, they're talking about Israel. Uh, quote. Now this is um, this is the a quote from the head of the Executive Council of Hezbollah. Quote. As Western powers have ratcheted up financial, diplomatic, and military pressure on Russia following its invasion of Ukraine, Iran and its Lebanese ally, Hezbollah have been presenting Moscow's action as a pertinent warning to those moderate Arab states willing to align with Israel and the U.S. The pro-West factions in Lebanon and Arab countries that have normalized ties with the Zionist regime should consider the fate of the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, and learn lessons from developments in Ukraine. Um then they're also talking about how they're trying to say that the US abandoned Ukraine. They're trying so they're trying to tell these other Arab the, the Arab countries who are more or, who are friendlier with the US and with Israel, warning them, look, the US abandoned Ukraine. Um now, you know, to be honest, uh I mean, yes, we have sent uh a billion dollars in weaponry and needed supplies to Ukraine in the first week of the war. we continue, The U.S. continues to send more money and to do more things, but I am hoping that it is not too little too late. Um, you know, it still ha- the U.S. still hasn't canceled um, Russian oil. That was another tweet I did. I tweeted, Biden literally fueling Putin's war by not banning Russian oil. Biden cares more about his approval ratings going even lower if USA gas prices go up than cares about Ukraine under attack. Help Ukraine ban Russian oil. Speaker Pelosi is right on this. I never agree with Speaker Pelosi, but she actually apparently has been trying to tell Biden to stop uh, buying Russian oil. <coughs> um so, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things happening that the U.S. has done. And, of course, not all of it, hopefully not all of it, is out in the open. I mean, I would hope that the U.S. is doing even more uh, to help Ukraine. But, um, you know, we we did, um, we helped persuade Germany to break its long-held policy of not exporting weapons, um, that Germany has sent weapons. Of course, some of them it turns out don't work, but whatever. Uh, Finland now wants to join NATO. Sweden has abandoned its neutrality and is sending weapons to ne- Ukraine. Switzerland also abandoned its policy of, of neutrality. It has frozen frozen Russian assets in Swiss banks, and America has led by example to create a, a worldwide economic sanctions um, and and encouraging other countries to send weapons. And sent troops to Europe to protect NATO and so on. But um, so the question is, you know, did did we abandon Ukraine or not? I mean, really, really, I think it was very. I have been saying this. Really, it's very dangerous to um, to have this this. Uh, it's what's that? It's bad ops. Bad, you know, the idea that we have abandoned Ukraine, uh, to, which to some extent is true. Because we did too little too late, um, and it's left to be seen what we end up doing. But um, you know, what does that tell other countries? What does that tell Poland? What does that tell Latvia? I mean, for example, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's making them concerned about if you're uh, the value of of being America's friend. <laughs> um, okay, now here's the Pope that I promised you. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, Bennett, um, has been trying to be a, an intermediary between Russia, between Putin and, um, Zelensky. He has gone to Russia, um, after the, uh, invasion of Ukraine. Um, he's continuing to talk with him by phone since he came, after he came home. He's also visited uh, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who he visited in Berlin, and he's talking to French President Macron. Um, and uh, of course, if I didn't mention it, Zelensky, in, in fact, Zelensky has asked him to please try to mediate um, with Putin. Um, and also, Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid is going to go to Latvia to meet with US Secretary of State uh, Blinken. So, you know, Israel um Israel has condemned Russia's invasion, but it's it's also refrained from doing anything that could really anger Moscow because um it doesn't want to jeopardize military coordination with its neighbor, Syria. You know, again, friends of my friend, my, my enemy is friend of my friend. It's so confusing. Um, so, um. so, and, and um, the Israeli prime minister is the only Western leader to meet the Russian president, to go to Russia and meet with Putin. And, um, Israel is one of the few countries that has a good working relationship with both Russia and Ukraine, which gives them a particular position, a favorable position to try to negotiate. Um, It has – Israel has given a 100 tons of humanitarian effort to Ukraine and said it would set up a field hospital in Ukraine. And – so you know, so these are things that I'm sure Russia doesn't like, but it's not like using weapons or giving them weapons really. It's not as uh antagonistic a help as giving we- weapons or something like that. Well, um then of course there's the uh there's this whole um, this whole question of whether NATO should um should reject whether well, the u s and and NATO should reject ukraine's plea for a no fly zone over ukraine now really it seems on the one hand it seems like a big mistake to not call it a no fly zone over ukraine because of what I was talking about at the beginning um, of the podcast where the biggest danger is that the Russians at the big a nuclear power plant in Ukraine, could very easily, uh, they just have to, I don't know, push a button or flip a switch, however it works, um, to, to, to get radioactive fallout to go out over Ukraine and go through Europe and, and other countries. I mean, you know, the, the countries uh, within a radius of these, this radioactive fallout. So, um it's a mistake on the one hand, on the other hand, um if in fact a Russian plane were to fly into um this if they call it a no-fly zone over Ukraine and a Russian plane flies into it, that indeed could start world war 3. Well, <laughs> not a lot of um not a lot of uh, good options in this um, very very confusing situation. But um, we just have to hope that cooler minds will prevail um, and, uh, and realize, and, and everyone needs to realize, that a nuclear war is going to affect us all. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.